Hi, I'm Rick Steves. In Europe, music lovers find it's easy to splice their favorite composer into their travels. And since Austria is celebrating Mozart's 250th birthday this year, Vienna and Salzburg are just bursting with celebrations, performances, and festivals. Music is the universal language, and today on Travel with Rick Steves, we'll get a lesson from someone who's fluent. Margaret Hemmen, a professional musician who also leads music-oriented tours to Europe, will tell us about her favorite musical sightseeing and take your calls. Whether you want to attend an opera at La Scala in Milan, shop for a guitar made by a master craftsman in Spain, or simply enjoy a street performance in the medieval quarter of Prague, we've got enough music to fill your next vacation. Tune up your travel dreams and warm up your wanderlust. We're enjoying the music of Europe next as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Some of my favorite European experiences have been musical. Whether enjoying some furious fiddling in an Irish pub, a Welshman's choir, or riveting flamenco in Andalusia, music is a wonderful way to experience and connect with another culture. And it seems each European culture eagerly shares its music heritage in plush and historic venues. Later in this hour, we'll meet a professional musician who's also a tour guide in Europe. Margaret Hemmen will inspire us to make music the focus of our next vacation. But first, let's get started with your travel stories. You can call us at 877-333-RICK or email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Susan in Jacksonville, Oregon, thanks for your call. Hi. I'd like to tell you about um, a little problem we had in taking the night train from Venice to France, uh-huh. and we didn't read your train etiquette um, or listen to the uh, DVD that you have. Right. And it was our first trip, and we got into our little booth, and everyone was so excited. They said, I have dibs on this this bed, and I have dibs on that bed. We got in. My husband decided he was taking off his clothes, which Uh-oh. wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and we thought we'd go merrily on our way, and no one else would show up. Well, at 1 o'clock in the morning... Um, we stopped at a small town in France, and two French ladies got in and knocked on our door and said that we were in our, their beds, that they were supposed to be in that um, booth also. They were yelling at us in French over and over again, shaking their hands at us. They were really upset. And then they went and got the conductor who came back, and he was yelling at us and, and asking, why did you do this? Why are you in their beds? And that's all we could think of it to say was that we're dumb Americans. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so uh, evidently they were too upset to stay with us, so they left, and we thought we were all settled in, and we traveled for about another two hours, and I think it was 3 o'clock in um, the morning a little nun got on, train <laughs> stopped, and the nun got on, and we let her in, and she got in the middle bed, and my husband had to uh, sleep the whole night deciding how he would get his clothes back on with this nun in our booth. <laughs> oh, no. So we were clueless of, of what the etiquette of train travel was. Or <laughs> well, first of all, you've got to make sure you climb into the bed that matches your reservation number. Right. The uh, it is confusing, and there's uh, six different beds in a in a typical couchette. I don't know. Did you have uh, three two triple bunks in your room? Yes. Yeah. So there's yes. six, and there are two people. To, uh, you may think you got the room to yourself, but at uh, two o'clock in the morning, here comes a nun. Four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> here comes a, a Girl Scout group. Six o'clock in the morning, you got a conductor coming by and telling you you're in the wrong bed. So it's um it's just a comedy of errors, and you got to kind of laugh along and roll with the punches and stay in, under your sheets if a if a nun comes in. <laughs> I don't know what I would do either. <laughs> it all worked out, and it was fun. But did you we, talk to the nun? Were you? Uh, did you make uh, acquaintance with her? She was very nice. Oh, that's good. She was very nice. Well, so, and now I'm um, in a, a month. I'm leaving again for France, and going to take my chances on the uh, <laughs> the URL again. Oh, good. Well, you can write a little uh, book uh, about strange encounters on my night train rides. Yes. <laughs> Let us know how it goes, Susan. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Michael in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, shares his faux pas. Right pew, wrong church. 
went to Ireland with a buddy in 1998 and felt it would be wise to see Northern Ireland uh, through the visions of the troubles that were seared into our memory over so many years. We found a first-rate hostel and wanted to see the St. Patrick Cathedral, steeped in real history, dating back to the St. Patrick. I was aware of the Catholic-non-Catholic tension in the air. Helicopters were levitating over the town every day went to Mass at St. Pat's, and it was nearly identical to Mass in the States. Later, the hostel manager asked, Well, boys, where were you so early this morning already? I replied, Oh, I was, uh, I was really looking forward to going to St. Patrick's for the Sunday morning Mass. It was nice, but very similar to the Mass back home. He replied, Yeah, right, so which St. Patrick's did you go to? Not knowing what he meant, I continued, uh, This hostel is in such a great location, it's nice that the church is only a few blocks away. He paused and said, a bit surprised, Oh, you went to the Anglican Church. The Catholic St. Pat's is a lot further away. I stared at him dumbfounded as I realized I went to the wrong church. I thought to myself, how many people had died over the differences in religion in this country, and a practicing Catholic like myself couldn't even tell the difference. Marshall in Albuquerque. Hi, Marshall. Hi, Rick. Thanks for your call. Thanks for having me on. It's fun, isn't it, to hear all these people's travel plans and travel experiences? Oh, it's just an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where have you been, uh, where, where your travel dreams taken you? Have you had any experiences lately? Well, I've, uh, I'm a musician. I know you are also. Uh-huh. You may relate to what I'm going to mention. When I'm traveling, my, my greatest desire is to connect with the culture and seeing sites is fun, but I, I really like to get to know people. And uh, my company has had me in Europe several times for months at a time. And uh, I decided I wanted to have some fun on one of my recent trips, so I took a hammered dulcimer with me. You may be familiar with that instrument. Now that's like an auto harp that you hit with little mallets? That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, it, and it was not all that small. I had a trick getting it onto the airplane. But what my plan was, was after work and on weekends, I would take my hammered dulcimer out onto the streets and set up like a street musician. And uh, I would take a hat and put it out in front of me and play my instrument. And uh, the Dutch would come by and throw money into my hat. And they would speak to me in Dutch, assuming that I was a native of their country. And they were just so shocked when uh, they would find that I was an American. This is brilliant. So you, you, had no, you really had your uh, room and board covered here. You were a businessman <laughs> over there. So you weren't <laughs> well, begging for, food, for money. You were just connecting with the people this uh, that, that was my sole objective. And, oh. and I remember I told my coworkers in the Netherlands what I was doing, and they laughed and laughed and said, oh, let's help out the poor American. And, <laughs> and then I told them how much money I was making, and they stopped laughing. Because, oh, really? Because on a good day, I could pull in about $20 an hour, yeah. and I would play for a, until I felt satisfied, and then I would hop on the train and see some other city there in, in the Netherlands. And you were chatting with people, and it was no pressure? And it was just no, kind of a, a no, and it, it was so gig. amazing. Now, I found some tricks, though, for making money as a musician on the streets in Europe. You need to dress fairly nicely, a nice sweater, nice dress slacks, and nice shoes. Okay. If the people saw you dressing like that, they assumed that you were a professional as opposed to a street beggar. <laughs> That's a very good distinction there. So I, I remember one time I was uh, playing my hammered dulcimer in Utrecht, right in the center of the Netherlands, uh, along this beautiful canal. It was the most pristine place to, to play uh, there among the 500-year-old buildings. And I had a crowd of Dutch people listening to me play my instrument, and, and I would stop between songs to chat with them. Well, uh, a big windstorm came up and lifted up my hat and mm-hmm. blew it down the street, scattering my money. And uh, I remember looking at my dulcimer and thinking, I'm not sure I can leave this here. And a, a little Dutch girl took pity on me, ran down the street and grabbed my hat and brought it back to me while I was on my hands and knees gathering my beggar's loot. <laughs> you know, you could write a little travel article about that. What an experience. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I was inspired by a fellow musician here in Albuquerque who was a school teacher. So he had three months off during the summer, uh-huh. and he did this for several years. He would buy a Celtic harp here in Albuquerque, right. ship it to Europe, 
and every day go out on the streets and make enough money to pay his room and board, put his heart back in the in the room, and go out sightseeing for the day. Twenty bucks an hour—that's really not bad. No, if you enjoy no. paying your your hammer dulcimer or whatever. <laughs> but but the. I guess my favorite experience as a musician over there was uh, I, I went up to Enkhausen, which has a national outdoor museum oh, yeah. along the side of the, the sea, which used to be a saltwater sea. It's now freshwater. And I went in, and I went to a reconstructed church, and there was an old man who was hired by the museum to uh, play organ. And as he sat outside the, uh, the church... I talked with him. He was taking a break and told him I was a musician also, and he invited me up into the loft of the church, which was off-limits to regular tourists. And uh, we sat and chatted. He showed me the organ that he played, which was a traditional 15th-century cabinet organ. And I told him that I had my hammered dulcimer with me. It was in the car, and he just begged and begged me to go get it. So I went out to my car got the hammered dulcimer, climbed up into the loft and set up and performed a mini-concert. And people flocked into the, uh, into the church as I'm playing my dulcimer, and they erupted into applause when I finished this mini-concert. And, and I spent another hour or so answering questions from the people that were so amazed at this American that had a little instrument. The interesting thing is you don't have to be an accomplished musician to have success or connect with people. I've taken penny whistles with me on yeah. trips and have played in churches before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even, I, I went to Asia once and found a really neat instrument called the Urhu. It's a two-stringed instrument, kind of like a violin, mm-hmm. but the soundboard is uh, made of a python skin. And I never knew how to play this, so I ended up taking lessons there and uh, got to know several of the other musicians in this uh, community by taking lessons in this audience. So that's interesting. So the joy of sharing, and as long as you're dressed well, they don't write you off as a uh, annoyance or something, and they they see you as a struggling musician at, at least. <laughs> you know, I was um, I met a, a woman who was busking around Europe, and and she was uh, kind of frustrated, and she was playing the saw. And she, just <laughs> for your own interest there, Marshall, don't try to play the saw because people just looked at her like she was from another planet and they didn't think <laughs> it was very musical. <laughs> what, what have you found as far as your own musical connection? I remember in one of your videos you're playing piano in the home of uh, some friends that right. you have. I lo- every time there's a piano or an organ nearby, it's so much fun to be able to play and I always find people... Uh, scamper around to get me some music or whatever, or they'll open up the pipe organ. I've had several cases where uh, B&B hosts are actually the church organist, and when they find out I'm a piano teacher, they'll take me uh, after dinner down to the the church, and they'll open up the church, and we'll climb up there, and we're just all alone, and he'll show me uh, how to use the pipe organ. And anytime you have a special, especially a cultural kind of interest that you can share, find uh, people who have a similar interest, it's a great way to connect, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Marshall, this has been fascinating. Thank you for your call. Thanks for taking me. And uh, call us again when you have some more musical uh, adventures to report. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. Musician and tour guide Margaret Hammond joins us in a minute as we get into the rhythm of the musical side of Europe. It's up next on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and part of travel is music. I hope it is. Boy, I think music just gives you a wonderful sort of added ambience and depth in your sightseeing. And I've got with me a professional musician, a woman who's got her doctorate in music, and uh, not only has she been a professional singer for 30 years, but for many years she's taken groups around Europe as a tour guide, injecting a little music appreciation into their travels. Margaret Hemmen, thanks for joining us. Hi, Rick. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And I am, uh, I'm a musician, too, but I didn't get as far as you. Uh, I faked like I was a piano major to get good teaching in college. <laughs> You know. <laughs> I used to be a piano teacher myself, but uh, for me, I'm just interested in talking about music in Europe so we can uh, get into that aspect of um, all these fascinating cultures. One thing that's interesting for me is how how when you go to Europe, music is really accessible to the tourist. Passing through town, if you're just on the ball and get some information, there's no reason you can't uh, hear the Vienna Boys Choir, isn't that right? Uh, generally, that particular uh, group is a little hard to get into, but you can sometimes walk through uh, the courtyard in the Hofburg and you can hear the them practicing. So that's kind of a free concert uh, because tickets are a little bit difficult for the boys' choir, but there are plenty of other things Top to go Top notch here. all over Europe. Yeah. And, but you just need to be on your toes kind of when you're traveling. Now, the Vienna Boys' Choir, of course, has got a world uh, following, so they're going to be packed out. That church is going to be packed out every time they're performing. Correct. If you're traveling and you're interested in connecting with some of these great groups, I think you need to do a little uh, research ahead of time to be at the right spot at the right time. Right. It's really, really easy to get a lot of information online these days. You can go to actually city websites. Uh, for right. instance, the city of Vienna has a, a website, and you can go to the um, concert section and find out, for instance, when the Vienna Opera is in town. It's good to know that they're not there during the summer months, but you can also hear performances. The by Vienna Boys Choir, for instance. Well, Vienna Boys Choir. You know, they're on, on the road because once I was in Dubrovnik right. with my wife, and right. I, I could read the poster in Croatian or, or, or whatever it was, and there it said Vienna Boys Choir. Right. And uh, we actually got to hear them in Dubrovnik. There was only one one seat, so we would take turns going in and, and enjoyed the concert. Also remember, a lot of times you need to be a little creative. If the Vienna Boys Choir is playing on that Sunday and you're in Vienna, right. it'll be packed out, but in the in the, the the lobby outside of the church, they've got them on closed-circuit TVs. Right. And you can gather around and and actually get a sense that you were there. Correct. What are some ways that you think travelers can better enjoy music in their travels? Oh, gosh. You have so many opportunities to hear music in so many cities. For instance, uh, during the summer when a lot of um, major cities are, are in recess as far as their big musical organizations are, for instance, Berlin, Vienna, they're, they're gone. Go to the city of Prague, for example, and you can hear uh, Verdi operas at the uh, Opera House in Prague. You can also go to the Estates Theater where Mozart premiered Don Giovanni, and they mm. are playing Don Giovanni pretty much all during the summer. So. Yeah. You can also hear great street musicians everywhere. I mean, a lot of these people are professional musicians from some of the former eastern countries, and they still have not found, for instance, a full-time job. So here Boy, they are, out on the street. I've noticed that all over Europe these days. You've got these great musicians from the former Soviet Union. Exactly. And they're just scrambling. It's tough to get a job if you're a great uh, cellist. Exactly. And you find them uh, in an arch outside of some palace in, exactly. in Prague or whatever. You right. know, speaking of Prague, I'm talking with Margaret Hemmen, by the way, who's a tour guide as well as a professional singer and, a, and a, a professor of music. You know, when you're in Prague, if you're on a tight budget, you can get great music in Vienna, but you're going to pay top dollar for it. Mm -hmm. Go to Prague, and you've got music for a third of the price and exactly. great quality. I like to hear music of a certain period in an appropriate venue, mm -hmm. Baroque music in a Baroque palace. Does, oh, yes. Does that make sense? I mean, to me, it's beautiful because the different media kind of hold hands as they walk through the age. Well, it really does. I think a lot of the buildings in some of these major cities um, have, let's say, the environment in which the music itself was composed. Um, yes, you have Baroque palaces throughout Austria. Um, you can go to the city of Berlin, for instance, though, and uh, you can hear music. It's wonderful at the uh, Unter den Linden in the uh, Berliner right Staatskapelle. Yeah, right downtown. And I mean, that is the one of the oldest orchestras in Berlin and in there you are in a fabulous palace hearing this music. It's currently conducted, that particular organization, by Daniel Berenboimen. Oh, it's just amazing. You're a musician. You go to Europe a lot. What are some of the just magic moments musically for you in, in your travel career? You've been traveling mm. for ages. Tell me some of the, the, the great moments for you in music well, appreciation. Well, in music appreciation, this wasn't a live moment, but I went to the Musical Instrument Museum in Vienna 
in the Neuburg. And I started going through all of the rooms there, and you could see there pianos and or forte pianos, depending on the period of music. You saw something that Beethoven had played, or you saw a room where you had a piano that Brahms had played, and it he had received this piano from the Schumanns. And I think one of my favorite, most humbling moments was to see a piano, a tiny piano that Hugo Wolf composed his songs on. And I realized this didn't even have 52 keys. It was He cursed the piano, but then they played uh, behind it uh, the song Auf kleine Dinge, the little things. And I, I walked out of there in tears. I now, mean, it was just incredible. Now, that's very interesting for me, Margaret, because you can spend $100 for a ticket to some opera, but mm-hmm. you're talking, and you're a musician, and you're talking, a highlight for you is actually to go to a, a museum that's open yeah. all the time and enjoy the history of the music and who played those keys. Mm-hmm. And that's in the Hofburg you mentioned, which is the Winter yes. Palace, right in downtown Vienna. Right in downtown Vienna. And very few people go to the music museum there because they go to the apartments of state. But exactly. right next door, you got this music museum, and it comes with an audio uh, set. Audio guide, So right. you've got this the um, earphones on. Right. And I think it's uh, figured out so when you walk near an instrument, it, it plays for that instrument, or maybe you push a button. You push a button, yeah. But you can actually hear those historic instruments being played. Right, right. Let's talk about music sites, because, of course, you got Mozart's home in uh, Salzburg. Yes. And even better is Mozart's workhouse, I think. Uh, right, it's the Wohnhaus where he lived as a teenager, and then you have the Geburtshaus, which is where he was born. So the Birthhaus right. is where all the Japanese tourist groups go, and it's kind of, you got to see it. It's both. It's it, Actually, they helped build, rebuild the Wohnhaus. The Was Vaughan, that right? Yeah, the Vaughan House oh, okay. is really uh, funded by a Japanese. They couldn't money. all fit into the birth house, exactly. so they needed another venue. <laughs> But I like the uh, the, the second one. What is it called? Uh, the Von House. The Von House, where he lived, right. because it's got one of these audio guides, and it's right. got real um, keyboard instruments that Mozart paid from that age, and so on. That's a great one of the highlights of music in Europe. Mm-hmm. In Vienna, they've got the uh, music house. I think it's House der Musik. House der Musik, That's and wonderful. of course, it's got Strauss and it's got Brahms and it's got Beethoven and all these great Viennese right. guys. But what was fascinating for me is they've got the Vienna Philharmonic right there waiting for you to conduct. Exactly. Did you do that? You step onto the podium. Yes. You bring your baton up, and it's a big, uh, like a plasma TV screen, and it's all right. computerized. Right. And you lay, you raise your baton, and the Vienna Philharmonic, they bring the violins up to their chins, and the bows are ready to go. Right. And then you give them the downbeat, and they go into action. Right. And you can com- you, you conduct them. And I don't know how to conduct. My dad used to be a director, but I don't. I did my best. And every time I screwed up, they would laugh at me. Oh, I know. And they throw down their inst- I mean, they throw down their bow and they look at you. And I mean, it's really, it's a blast. I've done that too. <laughs> so there's a, there's some music fun you can have in your, what other music sites can you think of that have been really great? Oh gosh, Rick, there are so many. It's, it's, I mean, Vienna Opera, I mean, to go You can into, tour the Opera House. Oh, you can tour the day. Opera House. You can also go and you can listen to a great opera for two euros, standing room. I mean, we heard Carmen this summer there. I mean, it's just an incredible experience. To, you're standing and... and uh, you heard Carmen for two euros in the Vienna Opera yes. House. Now, the point is, they've got an affinity for the struggling students and the, and the music teachers and, 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 really and so on. So they always make a case for some 500 and some standing right. room spots. Right. And for me, because uh, i got to be honest, I don't want a long opera after a long day of sightseeing, but I'd love to go into the opera house and, and hear it in action. Right. And I don't, you can come in and leave after 45 minutes if you want to. Well, obviously, Salzburg is a city for music, and that's one of the biggest draws there. And one of my favorite places uh, places is the small room in the Konzertsaal in the Mirabelschloss, the Mirabel Palace. It's a Baroque I, venue. Uh, yeah, yes. I love that. It's, it's just a gorgeous room, and um, there are a lot of uh, the faculty of the Mozarteum come and play there, but occasionally you'll just get these world-class they are world-class players, but occasionally you'll get some great, great artists coming through there. Or here's another special. And you can get tickets quite reasonably. Yes, quite reasonably. There's even a cheaper concert that has had one of the most incredible musicians there. During the summer, in the, there's a Michael Haydn Stiftung, which is a foundation. And right by the Benedictine Monastery there, there's a room that has like a 5 o'clock concert sometime. And it costs 10 euros. And you hear, there you hear all these works on original instruments. Margaret, isn't next year some Mozart anniversary year? Yes, or it's, this the year, 2006. it's the 250th anniversary of Mozart's birthday. Sure. And so everywhere, uh, especially in Austria, you're going to have concerts. Uh, Salzburg Festival, for example, is going to be uh, showing all of or producing all 22 of Mozart's operas and then all everywhere. 
uh, it's Mozart, Mozart. So that's Mozart. this year, 2006. We've got Mozart. Uh, it's his 250th his birthday. birthday. Yes. Oh man! Everywhere and, and in he Austria, still sounds good. He sounds great. We've got some calls. <laughs> I'm talking with Margaret Hemmen about music, and uh, thank you for your calls. This is uh, Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves, and we have Jan on the phone in Milwaukee, Oregon. Jan, hello. Hi. Hi, Jan. <laughs> I am a music teacher, and so every time I go to Europe. I love to enjoy music, but I have to be on a budget. So I can't really afford to go to really expensive concerts. And so one thing that we do is we tend to visit violin factories and um, and find out from some of those contacts, you know, any uh, less expensive concerts around. But this past summer we went um, to Eastern Europe for our first time, mm-hmm. and along the trail of Winter Gorge, uh, it's kind of like Silver Creek Falls in Oregon. It's just gorgeous, lush. The, the water's turquoise, and we're hiking along this trail heading towards a waterfall. It's in a narrow gorge in Slovenia, uh, not too far from Lake Bled. And all these little old ladies are walking by, followed by a, a man with his accordion. And um, they didn't know English, but we kind of motioned to him, oh, please play for us. So right there on the narrow trail, he stopped and played a polka and, and a jig. Oh, and it was just fabulous, surrounded by, you know, the beautiful gorge. Oh, and this is Vintgar Gorge. I never did that hike. I wanted to. It's not Lake oh, Bled in Slovenia. I, I love it. And it it's completely easy to find right. and completely wonderful. And you got these people, these Slovenes that are into the polka. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, polka to me, that's a little bit dorky, frankly. But in Slovenia, that is the most romantic and prestigious and, and classy music form. And you've got these heartthrobs that are like the greatest polka accordionists. Oh, well, yeah. It, it was it was fabulous. Takes one to know one because my grandparents came from Slovenia. So, oh, I, yes, I, I know this firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> we had a man on our TV show. I forget his, his name was Laszlo somebody or other. But uh, when we told people... He was on our TV show. Everybody goes, you got Laszlo on your TV show? (laughs) Incredible. Well, and one of the little old ladies had a sense of humor, and she took the hat off of the man, and they were all senior citizens, you know, and she started to pass around the hat pretending like we should all put in tips. Oh, that's funny. Which I got a kick out of that because it was just so cute of her. She was just, you know, it was just a light, charming moment of a free concert in the middle of the you know, wilderness type of a mm. hike. It was fun. Music, music is an international language, isn't it? Yes, yes. I, I got a free concert when I was a backpacking student years ago, and I ended in the train station in Ljubljana, and I had a whole uh, music school perform for me as I was trying to find my relatives. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that just brought me back to Europe. And that's one hour away from Jen's experience, Ljubljana, yeah. the yeah. capital of Slovenia. Hey, Jen, you said you went to violin uh, makers. Did you go to Mittenwald? Oh, yes. we. I love I'm addicted to Mittenwald, and what I found out is if you call ahead, you can get a free tour of their violin-making school. Wow. What's, what's the big deal about Mittenwald? Is that like uh, where they make the violins? Yes, it's very, very famous, and um, uh, the history, don't quote me, but basically um, some people had to relocate, and so uh, some of the violin makers uh, during some sort of... Uh, catastrophe in their history. And so um, one thing they did to help out the situation was to teach people the trade of making violins in, you know, southern Bavaria. And so um, it's a very strong tradition there and very well known as a violin teacher. I've always wanted to go there and I've been there a couple of times. It's just awesome. But now their museum is so fabulous. It used to be kind of a C-minus and now it's an A+. Plus. They've redone it and expanded. It's huh. a wonderful, even if you're not into teaching, performing violin, it's such an interesting art. So they show, you how a, they, they show you how they make the violins and what makes a, a yes. classic violin. Yes. Now remember, this is just a stone's throw away from Oberammergau, which is so famous for the wood carving. So here they've got their wood carving tradition and their love of music, yes. and voila. And, well, and you have those steep... Um, Alp-type mountains right there. Of course so you do. It, the, the little town nestled there is breathtaking, and then there's frescoes painted all outside of all the buildings everywhere, and, like, even dress shops and restaurants will have, like, a cello back for a sign, or, I don't know, it's just such a quaint town and so friendly, and 
the youth hostel outside of town is just delightful. And then it's really pretty close to New Schweinstein. Right. The, you the want to see Mad castle. castle? And yeah. you've got Garmisch uh, Partenkirchen, which is also very popular. You're surrounded by the Bavarian Alps. Oh, it's just, it's a fabulous place. And, and, uh, and to think that last time we were there, uh, this past summer, we got this free tour of the violin-making school. And all they asked at the end is if any of us would like to donate. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know there, no fee. There are a couple other places you can um, peek in on, and one is right in the city of Vienna as you are you're near the Jesuit church and the university. There's a courtyard you can go through there, and there are three famous violin makers right there there wow. in that courtyard. Um, and also another place you might uh, look into is in Hallstatt, uh, the Lopeser family at the Breugasthaus. Uh, they, there. That's in Holstein. That's it's one hour Hol- south of Salzburg. Of in Salzburg the in the Salzkammergut, right? Um, he is a violin maker, the husband. Ooh. And um, well, I need to find out that address. Yeah, Seems you can. We have a music store, and so we um, we like to buy violins on our trip. Hey, Jen, here's a trivia question for you. You're a violinist, right? A yes. violin teacher. Uh-huh. Stradivarius, the greatest violin. Um, well, if you're talking to the Italians, they're going to disagree, but... <laughs> well, Stradivarians are great. Uh, nobody, c- nobody can match Stradivari. Now, where can you find, in one room, a Stradivarius uh, violin, viola, cello, and bass? Um, I don't know about the bass. I, actually, I don't know about the bass either, but the others. Okay. Um, Mozart's Little Home in Salzburg. Is that true? Um, his, there's viola, we went there... Stradivarius. Two summers ago. Um, I don't know if they're they're very famous. Could be Amadis. I know they're awesome violins. But the viola and the violin that he played on, I can't remember if cello, but I think harpsichord also from Mozart and his sister is in that, um, the little house where he was as a childhood, you know, his childhood days. But the only person that I know that could afford all those, the entire quartet in a Stradivarius quality was the King of Spain. Ooh. Ah. And in the Royal Palace in Madrid. Ooh, and we've to... never been to Spain. Been to Europe four times, but and next they, time And Spain. I think they still use that one on special, very special occasions, Whoa. but they wouldn't let me do my Mississippi River on it. Hey, Jen, <laughs> thanks for your call. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jen. And, and I hope people will uh, pay more attention to music in Europe. It's really rewarding and delightful. Well, if they have you and, or Margaret and, for a tour guide, I think they will. Well, <laughs> and don't miss the gypsy violinists at the restaurants in Budapest. In Hungary. You know, you're right. That's another... You know, as I'm sitting here talking with Margaret and, and callers like you, there is so much music everywhere you look everywhere. in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about violin making. Also, in Spain, you've got classical guitar makers that are oh, world-renowned, yeah. and you can visit their shops, and you can get very good values on handcrafted classical guitars. And and they're world-famous. So. In Madrid, and they're all within a couple blocks of each other. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. All right, Jan. Okay, well, thanks thank. again. Thank you, Jan. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Le point du jour n'est pas bien loin, la nuit s'en va, le jour qui vient, sortez du lit, prenez vos habits. Whether you're doing the polka in Slovenia, the waltz in Vienna, or yodeling across the Alps, European culture comes alive with the sound of music. Stay with us as we find more ways to splice music into your next vacation. Coming up on Travel with Rick Steves. 877-333-RICK or email us at radio at ricksteves.com I'm Rick Steves and our guest today is Margaret Hammond, a professional singer and tour guide who knows how music can help make your next vacation a melody you'll hum for the rest of your life. I have Adrian on the line from West Richland, Washington State. Adrian, thanks for your call. Hi there, Rick. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm so I'm so thrilled to be on your program. And I heard Margaret say that she left uh, uh, one place with tears in her eyes. I did the same thing uh, at Notre Dame in uh, in Paris with organ concerts. And tell us more about that. Why was it so good? Well, it was it was during the summer. This was a long time ago. This was in 1976, and it was summer. It was uh, early August, and at that time uh, i'm not sure if they do it still but at that time every every sunday they would have uh, guest uh, organists from all over the world and this happened to be a an organist from uh, from the united states from the east coast i don't know who it was mm. but we're sitting there and it was you know the the place was of course packed and the last seats that were available we were sitting on the altar 
at, at Notre Dame wow. and listening to this. And I, I, you know, I just kept looking around, pinching myself, saying, I don't believe what I'm an doing experience. this. But the organ was just fabulous. And so it, it's, you know, and it was a free concert. So there is, like Margaret said, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of music out there that's for people that you just have to look around and it's it's free or virtually very very inexpensive right. but you know, uh, there's a lot of great organists that I think have it just they're honored and excited to have a chance to play these incredible instruments oh, yeah. so if they're on the road I would imagine they'd give them a slot and they'd offer the concert for free to the, oh, right. the public right oh yeah just uh, that's true. Just, just to be able to do that you know just to have the have the experience of playing in a Doing a gig in Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, doing a gig in Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I think all over in the great cathedrals, you usually, if you look, you can find a schedule. Um, mm. At and the door. At right. the door. For instance, I've been to concerts when I lived in Germany. I, I lived uh, near the city of Freiburg in Breisgau, right near the border, the southwestern corner. And I used to go during the winter to the organ concerts, and you would mm. get just a great artists coming through all the time. Oh, yeah. And we've been... on. Um, at lunch on tour in the little city of Lindau on, on Lake Constance. And, you know, there's somebody practicing uh, the organ there. I mean, this is oh, amazing. You can just walk in and you hear that. Uh, oh. It's just, it's wonderful. Incredible, yeah. I've had several occasions where the, the person who runs the B&B that I'm staying in actually is the organist in the in the village um, <laughs> yeah. organ church. And he'll right. take me over there and I can play the, the pipe organ or watch right. him practice or something like this. We right. start a lot of our tours in uh, Harlem, which is half an hour outside of Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And in the Grootkirk, the big old church right. in the main square in Harlem, they've got this rocketing uh, pipe organ, and it just fills up the whole wall. It's like the Wizard of Oz. If he had an organ, this would be it. Right. And free concerts every week. So you just need to be a traveler who's sort of on the ball, right, right. Adrian? And then exactly. you'll be there at the right time. Yeah. You know, Adrian, you were in Paris, and you went to the Notre Dame. I would think a better yet organ concert in Paris would be at San Sulpice. Oh, I've oh, been yeah. there. Oh, my gosh. Did you go up to amazing. Daniel Roth's loft? I didn't go to the loft, no. Oh, Margaret. I only found out about that afterwards. Well, you've you got to read my book more carefully. <laughs> I must say, Margaret. Now, the San Sulpice is very popular now because of the Da Vinci Code. Everybody's going there to see this right. some sort of a, mm -hmm. a, a celestial clock or something yeah. like that. But I go there to hear, I think, what a lot of people consider Europe's greatest pipe organ. Mm -hmm. And really? you can sit down there in the pews and enjoy it. And, of course, the masses are full of music, but there's a little impromptu concert between the masses on Sunday morning, and mm -hmm. a lot of aficionados Wonderful. stay for that, but in those in the know, Adrian, they right. go to the back of the nave. Have you been there? No, I have not. They go to the back of the nave after the first mass on Sunday, and a little door opens up, and the oh. organ lovers and the clever tourists scamper like 16th notes up the spiral staircase, <laughs> and you get into this image. <laughs> and you get into this organ loft, and it's all musty and feels like the 19th or 18th century, mm. right. and you walk past these huge billows that men would have to tread. Can you imagine guys oh, high-stepping yeah. it with these billows to power the pipe organ, wow. and before electricity, that's how they powered these great pipe organs. Right. Mm -hmm. You walk by that, and then you come into this funky little organ loft where there's a space heater hanging from a piece of twine <laughs> and, a, and a mirror that's been jerry-rigged so he can see the priest see, while he yeah, plays. Yeah, so he can see what's going and on. Yeah. There must have been four keyboards for his feet and five oh, for his hands my. and an um, eternal number of stops. And whenever you figure this, the, you know the phrase, he pulled out all the stops. Well, <laughs> yeah. He pulled right. out all the stops. And what you got there is the greatest pipe organist, I think, oh, in Europe, Daniel Roth. Oh, and he's yeah. the most gentle man. And I tell you, you sit literally on the bench with this guy. <gasps> you help him turn Incredible. his pages oh as God. he's powering <laughs> the whole worshipful feeling of this grand Gothic cathedral. Oh. And then you look next to you on the wall, and there's thumbtacked there a list of all the great organists who have warmed that same bench that oh. you're sitting on. Really? Going right back to, Margaret, you might know these guys, Dupre yeah. and right. Vidor. Mm -hmm. Oh, my heavens. You see, Vidor and Dupre, they're like, uh, they're like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig of exactly. the organ uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> world, right? But they were right there. And it's just part of the culture of Paris. And right. to be oh. there. And there's so much culture there. Oh. That's real travel. Love Paris. All right. Hey, Adrian, well, thanks thank for your call. Well, thank, thank you, Adrian. Thank you, and I really appreciate being on your show. Enjoy your music and enjoy your Will travels. Do. Thanks yes. a lot, Rick. Bye-bye, <laughs> Margaret. Bye. Uh, let's talk to Clint in Manhattan, Kansas. Hi, Clint. Hi, Clint. Hey, hey, Rick. How are you? Good. What's going on, Manhattan, Kansas? Yep. We're the little apple. The <laughs> little apple. I like it. Thanks for your call. That's right. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a college student, actually, younger person, so I'm, I'm actually... Um, you know, sitting in a concert hall isn't one of my favorite things, so um, I'm a really big fan of the street street performers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're so unique, you know, they, most of them have so much passion. One of the best entertainers I ever saw 
was this uh, one-man band on the Charles Bridge in Prague. Oh, and, I know that. I know what oh, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he was he was amazing. He just he, you could tell he just loved what he was doing. I think he's right next to the guy that plays all of the wine glasses by making that weird sound going. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's so, the there's the jazz combo that plays there regularly every every day every evening. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Talk, talk about this. Uh, tell us more about this uh, Charles Bridge. It's a wonderful scene, isn't it? Oh yes, I I actually uh, had the chance to study abroad in Prague last last spring so i was there for several months and if you go to the charles bridge you know they have something for everybody for exactly um you know painters musicians mm. um you know it's just a it's just amazing you and, know clint excuse me i just gotta say this is so dramatic to me because charles bridge is the main bridge in prague it's the wonderful baroque bridge with all the great statues on it that um is part of the king's walk from the castle down into the town I remember in communist days, it was bleak. It was all covered with soot. Nobody was there except for a few people changing money in the black market. Mm -hmm. Depressing. Now you go there, and it's just a festival, isn't it? All these great musicians and handicrafts and so on. Oh, yeah, it's buzzing. And did you know they uh, they actually used eggs when they built Charles Bridge? It's full of eggs. I didn't know that. So they thought it would make the bridge stronger, I guess. So <laughs> So where where have you enjoyed street music the best then, Clint, in Europe? Um, another one of my favorites was in Dubrovnik. I, I was in Dubrovnik walking around, you know, the alleyways and everything, and there was this, this little flutist, um, probably 14, 15 years old, and uh, he was just, the music was just, I just loved it, because the sound from the flute just vibrated off the, or echoed around, you know, the alleys and the walls of, you know, it's such a tight, tight little um old town and it just it was just amazing you know i think buskers that's the word isn't it street, right. street musicians mm -hmm. buskers they're they're also acoustic uh experts and they know just where to plant themselves to get the best acoustical effect of the tunnel they're in or whatever exactly and when you think that most of those structures in that part of the world a lot of them are from like the 14th and the 15th century mm -hmm. and they find they're you know just a perfect place for uh getting the best sound effects as it were uh, it's it's just wonderful you know, we had an email from Jen in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she reminds us to hear Jan Novak's band on the Charles Bridge. So Prague is a great place for music, um, and uh, I've got a friend of mine who, uh, I forget his name, but he's got a big handlebar mustache, and he's got this incredible string quartet, and they're all over town. Uh, they play up by the, up uh, by actually, the, the castle, actually, yeah, and I have the recording. I often play a few of their selections on the Aren't tour they? bus when we're heading out of Prague. Um, I always play that plus the music of Smetana and Dvorak uh, also. You know, it's very, let's, let's talk about that, Margaret, a little bit, because you've okay. got a lot of um, patriotism wrapped up in music. Oh, you know? definitely. And it, when you're in Prague, you play Smetana, and the mm -hmm. people are very um, worshipful almost. Well, uh, he has uh, a piece. Actually, everyone hears the Moldau, which is the Vultava, but uh, Mavlast is my country. It's the suite of uh, pieces that he composed. And one of my favorite movements from that work is the Vishehrad mm -hmm. um, movement, which is really that the other castle in Prague. It's the mm -hmm. one that's on the promontory, uh, which is the basis, uh, really, of so many of the Prague legends. It's the holiest place for the people of the Czech Republic. I mean, that's something that... So you've got the way to touch the soul of it these really, different countries. It really, really does. You it go really to Norway, does. you go out to the... Um, I love to go to places where these great composers and artists were inspired. When you go to Norway, you go to the West Coast, and you find the cabin on the fjord where Edvard Grieg exactly. sat there. You see his piano, and mm -hmm. you, you see the bench he sat on, and the view he saw as he was inspired to write his great music. Well, another place that I absolutely love, again, I, I keep going back to Vienna, is uh, out in Heiligenstadt, which is where Beethoven, oh, was yeah. one of the places where Beethoven lived. And of course, there's a big wine garden out there. But he wrote a famous, famous uh, piece of writing called the Heiligenstadt Testament, which he wrote when he was going deaf. I've and got this image of him. Beethoven, imagine Beethoven, such a musical genius, going deaf. And he would walk through the woods with his exactly. hands behind his back, and he'd be pacing and composing all these great, great uh, uh, pieces in his mind, and he couldn't even hear. Well, he was starting to write the Eroica then, which is the Third wow. Symphony. Vienna is so into its music. I understand <laughs> you can even dial a certain number and get perfect A440 to tune your instrument.
instrument yeah, on, you can. on the telephone. Is that right? <laughs> it's true. Whoa. I don't have the number, but... <laughs> and I mean, imagine Vienna in its heyday. All of these guys would jam together. I mean, Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven, yeah. Schubert, they knew each other. Was it, I mean, if they lived yeah, at the same time, Mozart they would Mozart didn't know, know Schubert, but anyway, they're close. Yeah, even Salieri. Salieri was actually one of the teachers of Schubert. But they would all go to Vienna because the royal family were good, were strong patrons of music. Yes. So mu- musicians knew that's where you can get some work. Yeah. Except Mozart was a freelance musician. I think that's really interesting. He is the world's first freelance musician, technically. So what do you mean by that? Uh, well, he left Salzburg um, uh, because he had a dispute with the bishop there, uh, Colorado, and he came to uh, Vienna, uh, and he basically um, didn't have a commission he uh, by any royal patron, and so he decided really to work for a lot of different people. So he's he's considered um, to be, you know, the founder of... Uh, of, shall we say, the self-employed musicians. <laughs> Let's go to some emails here. We've got uh, an email from Michelle in Sacramento who says, try to visit Leipzig during the annual Bach Festival oh, yes. and hear the famed uh, choir and orchestra there for a fraction of what it cost in the United States. Uh, email from Janet in Aurora, Colorado. Any information on hearing choirs in Wales? Uh, they, she has a friend that raved about the choral performances she attended mm-hmm. there. Boy, the choirs in Wales. Now, I was just there filming, and I needed a choir in Wales. Yeah. And, and the fascinating thing about Wales, all of these church choirs have one day a week where they practice at mm-hmm. the church, and they welcome the tourists or anybody who likes music to join them. You sit and you enjoy them practicing, and then afterwards they all bundle on over to the nearby pub, mm-hmm. and they have a few beers, and they continue singing, and that's where you can get into the sing-along. Every city has the choirs performing on Sunday, but one day of the week the various towns will have choirs practicing open to the public, and this will rotate. So Monday here, Tuesday there, Wednesday here, and so on. I happened to be there during the one month when they were all on vacation, and it was a very uh, caused me a little bit of a frustration, but uh, there's so much music that you can just talk to the tourist board, and they told us where we would find an odd choir that was practicing and singing during this period. But you'll have no trouble at all enjoying the great uh, choirs, the, the men's choirs especially, of Wales. Well, they also have the town bands there too, and um, I think I was on a bus actually coming back from a band concert there, and the, all the musicians began to just sing. This was I, it, It's amazing that they are not only instrumentalists, but they many of the uh, men, especially in the town, are both instrumentalists and singers both. We have Clint. I forgot Clint in Manhattan. Yeah, a little he's apple. still there. Still, the- <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. Sorry. Clint, I, and Clint, you're the guy who wants the street music, right? And we're yeah, talking about right. concerts. Forgive us. <laughs> Step into a concert hall sometime, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do prefer. I do like um, organ concerts and cathedrals. Those are those are amazing. The sound, you know, the sound is amazing. Oh, but. Yeah. Try if you ever get to Vienna uh, a really great concert. Just which is part of a of a church service is um, at eleven o'clock in the Augustina, which was the. Um, the royal uh, church, shall we say, of the Habsburg family, you can usually always hear. It's a free concert. It's a mass. It's really, it's yeah. really, really beautiful. Remember that. That's very important. Augustiner Church. And you know what's interesting? It's just about 100 meters away from all the tourists who are frustrated by not being able to hear the, the boys' choir. Exactly. Because it's in the same <laughs> complex. Right. Yes, I, I've been in that situation. So, so <laughs> this, is, this is what I do when I write my guidebooks is I go and I find out where the big frustrations are and then see, well, yeah. what do we do now? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know yeah. s- something else very exciting about going to Vienna is they've got this, uh, again, this empathy for people that don't have any money who like mm-hmm. music, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got the City Hall concert series, and it's a, the biggest TV screen I've seen, in, movie screen I've seen anywhere in Europe, set up in right. front of the City Hall in a big park all summer long, and it's a food circus. You must have a hundred different stalls serving food from all imaginable ethnic groups. It's considered kind of a meat market for young Viennese single people that go there to meet other young uh, available singles, and then they have their concert projected on this screen, and exactly. it is world-class concert performances with top-end speakers and everything, and musicians with high taste but small budgets, they just love this thing. Right. It's uh, They have movies usually, and they're opera movies, and they're musicals, or they're a famous performance of some kind of symphony, or, you know, just stuff for fun also. Now, having said that, I want to remind you, anybody who's a music lover that's going to Europe, if the music salesperson comes to you and he's wearing leotards and a wig. Exactly. Like a silly little modern-day Vivaldi (laughs) or Mozart. Avoid him like, I think, like the plague. Because (laughs) you're going to get concerts that are for tourists that no self-respecting local would ever go to, and they look good. They've got all these uh, gowns and their wigs and their powdered wigs and so on. And uh, you can do better. You can generally do much better. You can. 
<laughs> uh, just a quick review of great music festivals in Europe. The Copenhagen Jazz Festival exactly. in July. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Salzburg Festival is great in the middle of the summer, but Salzburg uh, got festival all year long with music. Well, I would say the, the Salzburg Festival is in August, mm-hmm. and uh, this year I'm sure it's well booked out. But Salzburg, as you say, has music all year long in the various venues. Again, if you go to Salzburg's website, you can find yeah. out a lot about that. And there are several thousand musical events a year in Salzburg, so you don't need to be hung up on the festival. Exactly. And the grand events of the festival are sold out long in advance, but there's plenty of chamber music. That's top end, but smaller. Right, right. All through the cities. The one thing to remember, though, in the summer is the summer months, a lot of the major uh, performing groups are out of town. So Mm -hmm. uh, if you go to some of the bigger cities, like if you want to go to Berlin and hear the Berlin Philharmonic or um, some of the other great uh, performing groups there, um, think more of of spring and fall for uh, those kinds of concerts. And then during the summer, I mean, there are so many different summer festivals like Montreux. Uh, or Montreux, there's the Jazz Festival. And, you know, a lot of smaller uh, places have uh, performing performances going on. Like we st- we stop in a little town in Switzerland, Morton, which is in the Lake District, and there's also a, a summer festival there. So you Actually, know, I wouldn't even build my itinerary around it because if you're just heads up and when you get into town, drop by the tourist office exactly. and there, there'd be a little music festival and seats available. You know, one of the most beautiful opportunities to appreciate music for me in Europe is the Evensong services, especially in in Britain, in the churches oh, yeah. where they have a, a complete musical service, and there you, you get to enjoy the music, and you get to see the churches doing what they're designed to do, and it's just, they're magical experiences if you get a chance to see an even song service. And then you got very strong folk music going on from, from top yeah. to bottom in Europe, uh, right. especially in Ireland. The traditional music there is, is some of the, the most vibrant music anywhere in Europe these days. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Although, I think in Eastern Europe now, there are performances, depending on what city you go to. I know in Budapest you can mm-hmm. find that and in certain places in the Czech Republic, you can find that in Prague, too. I mean, you just find it everywhere. There's it's so much. And I just remembered the Fado in Portugal. Yeah. This is the blues, man. This is where <laughs> when, when you lose your sailor at sea, you go to the bars and you sing the Fado until the rest of your life wearing black. And everybody gathers around and, and weeps with you. There's so much music to enjoy in Europe. I've been talking with Margaret Hemmen, a fellow tour guide and a friend of mine. She's got her doctorate in music. And, uh, you know, she shares that in her travels. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rick. It's been my pleasure. Happy travels. Thanks. And enjoy your music. I will. (laughs) Oh, Clint. Ciao. Thanks. (laughs) 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 Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.